Welcome to the introductory episode of the podcast on Hamiyast, a biography of Article 370. Co-authored by Orkos Hek Gupta, Jinali Dhani, Kevin James and Pranay Modi, this book is Vidhi's first digital-only book, being published by Navi Books, Vidhi's digital publishing website. Hamiyast chronicles the story of how Jammu and Kashmir acceded to the Union of India in 1947, achieved special status in 1950, shared a troubled relationship with New Delhi for the next seven decades. only to be reduced to a union territory in 2019 in demystifying this complex provision the co-authors have attempted to make this story accessible to the general reader i navid and today with me is jinali dani one of the co-authors of the book to discuss the journey of article 370 welcome jinali thanks navid So Janali I have had the opportunity of going through the book and it thoroughly covers a lot of things developments pre 47 drafting of article 370 the deliberations around it and the working of the provision and and finally the collapse it's interesting to see how different factors can contribute to formulation of a provision like uh, article 370 could you please tell us what was the initial thought behind the book what pushed uh, you towards writing uh, this book so so yeah navid so basically article 370 was abrogated in august 2019 which is 5th and 6th of august 2019 and at that at that point of time some of us got together to discuss and analyze how the abrogation happened and you may already know and the book also explains it in quite a bit of detail that the manner in which article 370 was abrogated was quite convoluted there was quite a bit of legal maneuvering that was involved there and as lawyers we were simply curious to understand how the abrogation had happened so that sort of got us reading you know reading the text of article 370 really closely analyzing each word in that provision trying to understand why the provision was drafted the way it was drafted and who drafted it you know and was it really meant to be a temporary provision which could be abrogated the way it did in 2019 so uh, you know that's how we started reading and reading and as 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 you know as we got reading we realized that there's actually not much that has been written about article 370 i mean sure there is existing literature and scholarship on the state which covers aspects of its ethnography its history politics the dispute at the united nations the security issue and of course you know the human rights uh, issue in kashmir uh, but not much specifically on article 370 when in fact article 370 was the constitutional link which bound the state to india the only significant and you know invaluable piece of work that we found on article 370 was by the constitutional lawyer and political commentator aj nurani and his two volume book on the kashmir dispute as well as his separate book on article 370 is a collection of fundamental documents you know which helps you understand the constitutional and political history of the india jammu and kashmir relationship but that's about it no other significant work Uh, on article 370 and we sort of wanted to address this gap that was the initial idea behind the book to add to nurani's existing work and to sort of write a biography or a legal history of article 370 tracing the journey of the provision from its birth to its abrogation and that is where the initial idea of the book comes from and of course we wanted to do it in a very accessible manner so that it's readable and you know uh, not just to lawyers or academics but also to the general reader uh, so i hope that answers your question but that's where we came from 
Yeah, it, it does. And, it, and the book certainly does fill in that gap. And I, I must say it makes for an interesting read for anyone who wants to understand Kashmir generally through the 1940s, 50s, and how uh, Article 370 really governed the relationship between Delhi and Kashmir. But one thing really struck me, and it was that there is very little information that is already available on, on, on this issue publicly, or at least uh, it's not accessible. I mean, there's always stuff uh, beyond constituent assembly debates. So tell us about uh, the research process or the sources that you used and how, how did you go about it and the challenges uh, that you faced? Right. So I think the first thing that we started doing was, you know, uh, after the abrogation happened and we understood how the abrogation was done, we looked at the legal documents. Um, uh, what we started doing was to try and understand uh, how princely states acceded to India, you know, because Kashmir was a princely state. So we did quite a bit of a reading on princely states which were existing in India pre-1947. And how did they accede to India? Under what circumstances did they accede to India? Did they have any unique arrangements when they acceded to India? And what were sort of the legal instruments that they had, you know, executed? There was the instrument of accession. And of course, there were other things as well. So uh, we tried reading about that. And also, you know, once they exceeded, how did the Indian constitution apply to them? And this sort of reading, you know, which is the first step, uh, gave us this idea that Kashmir was indeed different. It wasn't like any other princely state. And, uh, you know, Kashmir did not exceed to India before August 15, 1947. So once that was sort of established, the next step was to understand what made Kashmir different, you know. And uh, what warranted the need for a provision like Article 370 in the first place? And our reading at this stage was focused on the Dogra dynasty, Kashmir's domestic politics and actors, uh, the internal cleavages in the state based on religion and region, the dispute of the United Nations, the war with Pakistan. Uh, so we did a lot of historical, political uh, reading at this point of time to understand what made Kashmir different, you know? And once that was done, I think the next step was to obviously focus solely on Article 370, which is the legal provision, and understand its drafting. Uh, so like you said, we looked at constituent assembly debates, archival material around the drafting, uh, the Nehru papers, Patel papers, you know, uh, memoirs. Uh, we looked at all of those books and all of that material to understand how 370 was drafted. And it was drafted on the sidelines of the constituent assembly. You know, so uh, that's the drafting stage. Then once it's introduced in the constitution uh, and it becomes a part of the constitution in 1950, how is it interpreted over the years? What are the presidential orders that were issued under 370? Under what circumstances and for what reasons were they introduced? And then we, of course, looked at legal disputes and, you know, Supreme Court, High Court judgments around 370, etc. So that was the focus on the provision itself. And in terms of material, like I said, apart from books and legal documents, our research involved going through a lot of historical and archival data, and which is where we also think our book, you know, addresses a, a gap in the current existing literature on Kashmir. So we've looked at archival material that has not been identified before on Kashmir. And also we've looked at archival material that may have perhaps been identified before, but we've analyzed it in a different manner, you know, in light of the abrogation. So that's something new that our book is adding. And we spend a lot of time, actually, at the National Archives of India, as well as uh, looking at archival, uh, you know, looking at a lot of out-of-print publications as well. 
because uh, you know a lot that was written on kashmir especially in the early time period etc it's not available anymore so we found a lot of out of print publications at at these libraries and at, at the nehru memorial at the nehru memorial library the archives as well and uh, so those were those were sort of the documents we looked at and um, at the two places and in terms of challenges i think the big one was of course the pandemic you know we, we had to halt research for some time as the archives in the library were shut and uh, the national archives have a digital portal but not all of the archive documents are available on it so that was really a big task and it definitely delayed our writing uh, book and to the publication of the book so i think in my mind uh, you know we had to stop research because because of the archives and because of the pandemic etc and that was definitely a very very big challenge so so yeah yeah so so that that does tell a lot about the amount of research that has gone into this and uh, it certainly uh, makes even the most complex issues very simple and accessible to the general masses uh, like like drafting of 370 for me it was uh, very interesting because i got to read and understand how gopala swami ayangar's first draft of 370 uh, it which he visualized the role of the constituent assembly of jammu and kashmir in modifying and terminating the article and how sheikh abdullah fe- feared that it could play out uh also sheikh abdullah's uh, uh, issues with uh, wanting a definition of jammu and kashmir government to be provided within the provision itself because uh, perhaps it was critical to the internal communication uh, to the internal constitutional question about continuance of uh, of the dogra rule uh, could you throw some light on how the provision took shape and uh, how it shaped relations uh, between jammu and kashmir and the union of india yeah right so um i think what is important to understand about the drafting or the shaping of article 370 uh, is two things in my opinion and the first thing is that the provision was an afterthought uh, you know it was an afterthought in the minds of the people who were drafting it and the significant actors from both india and jnk side and the second thing is that it was meant to be a temporary arrangement um and i'll just elaborate a bit on that which is that you know when it comes to the afterthought comment uh, our research our research shows that the first formal precursor to article 370 was only drafted uh, in september 1949 and post which you know there are several drafts which are negotiated in exchange between ayangar who was a minister in nehru's cabinet and the chief draftsman of article 370 and sheikh abdullah and mind you these conversations were happening on the sidelines they were not being debated or discussed on the floor of the constituent assembly in fact the date on which the provision is even introduced in the constituent assembly is october 17 1949 which is the last day of the reading of the draft constitution so that's the first thing that i want to focus on which is that 370 was never the focus of the india jnk relationship there was too much happening around kashmir at that point of time internationally there was a dispute in the un that uh, you know india was fighting with pakistan and even internally there were a lot of tussles between the maharaja and abdullah you know and india was mediating that tussle as well so nobody really was focused about this legal provision what this provision would look like how it would fit into the indian constitution etc it it really was an afterthought the drafting process the introduction how the how the provision was negotiated um and it kept moving the provision kept moving in every round it kept changing in every round and there were bits and pieces that were changed here that it really wasn't really thought out that that's what i'd like to say 
The second thing that I'd like to say about Article 370 was that it was a temporary arrangement. What was clear to both sides in 1949, both India and JNK, was that Kashmir at that point of time was not ripe for integration with the Indian Union. And the reasons were multiple. There was the ongoing war with Pakistan and the dispute at the UN. The fact that some parts of the state were uh, under Pakistani occupation. And also more remote, importantly, like there was Mountbatten's promise to the Maharaja that it would be the will of the people which would decide the fate of the state, probably by way of a plebiscite. So these are the two or three factors which you know were there in the background and which ensured that both India and JNK realized that it, it can't be treated like any other princely state. It can't accede and become a part of the Indian Union like any other state. And something different would be required for Kashmir, you know. And what Ayangar says is that we've introduced 370 because Kashmir is currently not ripe for integration. However, he says that at some point of time in due course, we are hoping that Kashmir would be ripe for integration. And until it is ripe for integration, we need a temporary stopgap arrangement, which is Article 370. Uh, because you can't leave the Indian constitution, you know, the Indian constitution can't be silent about Kashmir. You know, it, it needs to have a provision for Kashmir and which, which would be Article 370. Um, and at some point of time, Article 370 would perhaps get replaced with something else. We don't know what it would get replaced by, but this is this temporary arrangement. Now, if you read the text of Article 370, does it say so in so many words? Does it give you this background? Does it tell you that, you know, it was meant to be replaced by something else, something more substantive, which would tell people how, you know, JNK belongs to or is a part of, Indian, of the Indian Union? It doesn't give you anything. 370 doesn't give you that sort of picture. It, it gives you a procedure, but it doesn't tell you substantively how Kashmir is special as opposed to the other princely states. And I think the fact that it doesn't tell you any of this, you know, it's a merely procedural provision uh, for Kashmir, and it doesn't really give you an indication of where Kashmir stood within the Indian Union, um, and what are sort of the special rights to be given to Kashmir, and you know, how is it going to be treated like any other state, etc. It doesn't give you the substantive aspect of Kashmir. I think therein lies the problem. Uh, the problem lies there because it's it's much later that you see that you know, both India and JNK are interpreting 370 differently. And there are different interpretations that are coming out. There are constant conflicts on both sides, etc. Because 370 was drafted that way. It, it, it left out a lot, you know, from its text. That, that's very uh, uh, interesting because for me now, uh, 370 was partly a culmination of a lot of things and a beginning uh, uh, to, to ma of, of many things that were to come. Uh, but but now let's, let's move a step further to understand uh, in, in, in the Bakshi's regime now. Uh, and how did the build-up uh, to, to the 1954 presidential order and say the finalization of the constitution of Jammu and Kashmir contribute to this uh, concretization of the relationship between uh, Jammu and Kashmir and Delhi? Right. So, uh, so there are a lot of political events, uh, you know, uh, that need to be covered during the time period. I don't know if I'll be able to touch on all of them. Uh, but I think, uh, again... Uh, like I said, it was a temporary provision and then suddenly it becomes a mainstay, right? And why does it become a mainstay? It becomes a mainstay because uh, the one entity uh, that could have done something about it, which is the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly, dissolves without doing something about it, right? Uh, so there's a provision under Article 370 which says that 370 can be amended or abrogated by the President of India upon the recommendation of the Jammu and Kashmir Constituent Assembly. Uh, 
we do have the jammu and kashmir constituent assembly it uh, it it's it's constituted it's um, it, it it's going to draft the jammu and kashmir constitution which it does and then it dissolves it dissolves make, without making any reference to article 370 so the one entity that could have done something about 370 sort of doesn't do anything about 370 and dissolves we don't know why it didn't make a reference to 370 we don't know why it didn't make a recommendation to the president of india um the reasons are unclear but i think that's a significant moment you know and um it's under like you said bakshi gulam mohammad rajeeb and abdullah at this point of time by the way you know uh, through a lot of twists and turns etc is in jail he is not even in the picture anymore and so he's not around the one guy who actually was a very who played a very very important role in drafting in the drafting process of 370 who's a significant actor from the kashmiri side in the drafting process of article 370 is no longer around you know and he's replaced by bakshi who seems to be more open to the idea of integration with india and uh, it's under his regime that the and is under uh, as well as under his leadership that the jammu and kashmir constituent assembly drafts the jnk constitution and the jnk constitution in the preamble as well as provisions under it very clearly say that jammu and kashmir has acceded to india and it's an integral part of india and it also says that there can be no bill which can unilaterally change this position so the state legislature cannot unilaterally change this position at all you know so um so so the drafting of the constitution along with the dissolution of the constituent assembly at that point of time without having made a recommendation under 370 is what makes 370 a mainstay i just like to keep it really short and say i think those were the two significant things that happened uh, there are a lot of political events that the book covers how did we even reach this stage which is what the book covers but i think this is the final clinching thing yeah uh, unfortunately we do not have the time to go into other uh, aspects of the book in detail but the book does certainly provide some great insights into the working of the provision and the developments in in, in august 2019 uh, and uh, it's 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 been great shinali uh, having this conversation with you thank you for joining us and thank you all for tuning in uh, do check out navibooks.in for hamias and for more digital books from vidhi